Today in Filipino American history, I wanted to talk about the International Hotel in San Francisco, California. Um, the International Hotel historically was a hotel for immigrant workers um, who did the seasonal agricultural work. Um, so what I mean by that, they were the folks, the Filipinos who worked in Alaska's canneries, who then went to Hawaii, who then after went to Hawaii, went to um, the Delta, the Stockton Delta, and did the agricultural work there. And between shifting of like the seasons, between like the canneries and the agricultural work, they would stay in a hotel like the International Hotel to um, to live. Um, why is this important? And I think in the 1970s, the hotel was set to be demolished and um, demolished for a parking lot. There's a lot of elderly uh, immigrant workers there who still live there. So there was a protest. There was a lot of action, uh, community action from students from uh, San Francisco State University. And I think they work with like the Black Panthers to uh, advocate for the rights of um, the tenants. Unfortunately, uh, the tenants were evicted and um, they they although they, they were evicted, the hotel was not slated for um, demolition. The folks advocated for it and now they built it at, they rebuilt it um, like a decade or so ago to house low-income uh, income folks and it's still up to this day in San Francisco and you could find it um, yeah, on Kearney and Jackson Street in San Francisco and I've been to the top of it the view is really nice and they have a lot of like uh, they, they have the history there in the lobby so go please check that out or google it the International Hotel and we do need rent control we still need to keep rent control that shit still happens there's a bunch of SRO buildings out there that are still being so many cases of folks who are lower income still facing eviction, mm. even now, just so they can turn them into tourist hotels. Yeah, that's my piece on that. Ooh, boom. All right, we're recording. This is cool. This is the Hell of a Shadow podcast. Like, that's really cool. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our bullshit. Oh, dude, that's hella even better. Hell of a Shadow. another episode of the hello machado podcast today we're talking about voting and today we have angie back with us thanks for joining us again hello thank you for having me miss you <laughs> i miss you guys too did you guys vote did you guys get your ballots i did get my ballot i have not sent it in yet but i'm gonna fill it out tonight yeah i just sent it out sent mine out this morning or yesterday morning mine's lost in the mail i haven't received damn it for real still i should have got it yeah. this week i think it's because i moved Oh, that's right. the reason. So it must be stuck at the apartment. There's a lot of um people on there that I didn't realize were something I had to vote for, like Board of Education. I didn't know if that's like ever a four-year thing or whatever, or if that's just something they threw in there whenever. I, I have no idea how any of that works. I guess that's a, that also goes into some of the confusion when it comes to voting. Like there's so much to research when you uh, make your choices. And I'm kind of glad it was at home because if it was at the um, 
wherever the voting centers are. I probably would have rushed that because I had time to Google everything. Feels like an open book test, right? Because you have yeah. the voter guide there too. Yeah. Are y'all like active voters? I can't vote, so I'm. I just want to know how active are y'all as like voters. When I have the opportunity, yeah. You the voting center right next to my or the school right next to my house. They they become a voting center. Oh, Longfellow. Yeah, Longfellow. So I'm nice. able to just walk over there, since that's my, it's in our district, so I can just vote there. It's pretty easy. If there was someone I couldn't make a choice on, I try to find the most humble Asian to vote for. <laughs> Please don't it, do that. <laughs> terrible method. No, no, no. That, that, that's that's my stencil, and then I look more. <laughs> Wait, what? Because <laughs> there was there was one one guy because because before I actually did research on my choice, one guy was Asian because it was for a board of education. He was a small business owner. That sounds good. Let me look him up. I mean, he actually had good off offers. I don't know what to say, but um, I, I like him anyway. His credentials. Yeah, his credentials, I guess. And uh, he turned out to be a good choice, so I voted for him. You said humblest Asian though. Yeah. I just want to get that right. <laughs> Probably a, an Asian dude with that his hair is not slicked back. He's not a real estate agent. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no curl. <laughs> no success curl for that guy. He's not wearing a Gucci belt. <laughs> not from the pictures I saw, he wasn't. <laughs> the more broke he looks, the more the more likely I'll vote for him. Because <laughs> <laughs> it looks he like he's just as humble as I am. So if he shops at Target, you're voting for him. That's what yeah. And if he's at Walmart, you're for sure voting for him. No, no, no oh I have standards. God, I have standards. <laughs> that is and passionate about politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm also not that passionate about politics. But yeah, um, I, is this like the first time you started voting, Bistos? The fifth time? Um, maybe the third time? Because hmm. I did in high school. After, yeah, right after high school. So I'm assuming, so that means you didn't vote um, in the last election when Trump was running for president the first time, right? Oh, I did. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot okay. about that one. I was, just, I was just curious. Like, I, no, no, yeah. there's no shade. I just wanted to, like, genuinely ask, like, why not? <laughs> forgot about that one. I don't like to think about anything about... related to Trump. Yep. <laughs> yeah. How about y'all, too? I vote quite often <laughs> to the surprise of nobody. <laughs> but I, I also understand that it's, you know, voting is, it can be very overwhelming for folks, especially when you have a ballot like this with like a lot of propositions, um, a lot of different positions on there. Um, like Bistos mentioned before this, it's like if you were just going to go to the polling place and try to remember all of this information, it's a lot. <laughs> so most people tend to kind of just vote for, you know, the big like presidential elections. But even then, I think the to- the turnout rate is like 55% or something. Like it's very low. Mm-hmm. They give you a a book, a booklet, a very, very thick booklet. And I just got lost in that. So I gave up on it and started Googling stuff. So I'm very glad it was at home because at the place, I would not take the time to uh, read through that book. It's a lot to go through. Hmm. And there's a lot of abbreviated stuff on the internet that helped a lot. So it sounds like there's just a lot of responsibility on the voter to figure out or wade through all the bullshit that is on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the um, Proposition 22, I think, about the, the app sharing mm-hmm. and um, how if you say yes, 
then the rideshare companies can not give insurance to the drivers, I think is what it was. And if you say no, then the drivers get benefits. Mm -hmm. But there's still pros and cons to, those are the big cons and the big pros, but there's still other things to consider. Yeah, Prop Prop 22 is the, it's it kind of overturns that bill that um, Gavin Newsom implemented like the end of last year. Is that where it defines them as a, like a... As employees. Yeah, as um. So basically he's saying that, yeah, so so the one that he passed last year was basically saying that anyone who drives for Uber or Lyft or um, Uber Eats or stuff like that, like you have to classify them as an employee. Mm -hmm. So you go from a 1099 worker to a W-2 worker and as a 20, as a W-2 worker, one is you, you have to get minimum wage. And number two is because you're, most of them are full-time, right? Then, then they automatically, because San Francisco is automatically, if you're full-time, you have to have health insurance paid entirely or partly by, by the company. So it's pretty important. And, and the ones, I think, who put it on the ballot were actually Uber and Lyft. Yep. And they oh, put yeah. hell of money on the table for it. They put so that's why yeah. it's kind of like important to vote, right? Look at how much money these large companies are putting out just to throw it down, you know? Isn't that like a lot of it too, right? Like when you watch a lot of the commercials, because there's hella fucking commercials of these propositions on and they, you know, put whatever propaganda spin. Like for me as somebody who like literally can't vote because of my paperwork, like I, I like to give a lot of resources to my students or whoever just to follow like the money of who's actually paying for all these ads. It's interesting that um, that all these ads are like being put out and a lot of it is kind of like swing on like a lot of like the emotional tip for folks. So it just makes me wonder, right? Like what is our like voting system or process when we're just being told or we're just being shown on how to vote for something based on like our emotions, not on like logic or not on hey if this happens then this happens you know what i mean so it's just really interesting that we are kind of being put in a competition for our vote instead of actually saying like hey this is the shit that is going to happen if we pass these laws goobs have you have you been getting text messages from random politicians asking for no, your really? vote yeah, all bots too. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. No, I tried talking to one of them. They're actually real people. Yeah, they're real people. And one they're of them even bots. asked me. Yeah, one of them asked me if I wanted to um, join them in texting other people. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> really? <laughs> I made my vote already. <laughs> yeah. 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 Text banking is a huge thing. Yeah. With the uh, elections these days. And it's super annoying um, at being the person receiving all these text messages. And I definitely. always, I feel kind of like a dick whenever I get like really upset about it because i'm like you worked in politics like <laughs> you were gonna be one of those people but I, it's just it's just so disruptive but i always try to remind myself there's like an actual like human being on the other end of that i got one of those texts when the, the vice president debate was going on i was like are you watching the vice presidential debates i was like absolutely not <laughs> and they replied all right have a good day <laughs> 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 <Three, two. laughs> uh, 
I feel like it's kind of a waste, at least in the Bay Area, because the Bay always tends to vote progressive or, or blue or whatever, you know? Like, I know there are other parts of California, like in the Central Valley, where it tends to lean more Republican or there might be a bit more of like a chance of a swing vote there, but it just seems like such a waste of money to be texting people in the Bay area about the election. Like we all know here who we're voting for. I can't believe those are real people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't believe that's the fucking job. Like, whoa, you really Dude. get paid to be, to be that annoying to people. I don't Sorry know, if this like, is your job. No, would like you I just, be texting, or would you rather be like knocking on doors? I'd rather be texting. But I will say that door knocking is probably the most effective way to canvas if you can mm-hmm. get someone to actually open the door and talk to you. Mm-hmm. But it always blows my mind. Yeah, that like um, sort of like door to door canvassing and like phone banking mm-hmm. is still like a huge part of election budgets. Why? Like, I mean, you you have like the political like experience, Angie. Why is our why is our political stuff like this? So again, like, remember, like, we actually don't live in a swing state, um, but for those areas or with areas that have sort of like more undecided voters or areas that have like really, really, really low uh, voter turnout, like a lot of this messaging is actually just a reminder for folks to go out and vote or to send in their ballot um, or to possibly sway their opinion. Like, I remember seeing a phone banking binder, which was like 12 inches thick. (laughs) It's just like... They have all like the scripts and responses in there for you. Like, okay, if you're like calling about this measure or this politician and, and it's like, all right, the, the person picked up and either like, is their view favorable or is it negative? Right. And then from there, it's almost like a, like a flow chart. Like if they don't have a positive outlook on this person, then here's what you can say to try to sway their vote. Um, but again, I think touching back on your point about how we're like fed all these like commercials and um, you know, targeted ads and people are phone banking us. Like it's, is it really, you know, is it really a democracy? Like, is it really an informed decision that people are making or are they just going off of what people who are clearly biased are telling them to do? Like that dialysis one, Prop 23, I think. Yeah, it's a tricky or one. If you say yes on it, then that guy in the commercial will die. <laughs> it's like, of course, I'm gonna say no, you know. But like, I have to remind myself oh my that's probably an actor, <laughs> you know. But also, I think of you know our friend Paul who had yeah. dialysis mm. for like I don't know how many years. But um, yeah, I had to look deeper into that one before I actually said no to it. It is very that one is especially tricky. Um, yeah, and like for people who don't know me that are listening, like I actually dated Paul for um like three and a half years, so. I, my, my gut reaction to that was like, oh no, like we can't impose all these like, um, you know, requirements and, and all these things. Cause it could shut down dialysis clinics. And like, I remember seeing Paul go through dialysis, you know, granted he was doing it at home, but I understood that it was, um, you know, it's something that literally saves lives and that kidney patients depend on. But at the same time, this proposition, um, you know, the, the, like no, vote is like heavily funded by um Davida who has like it's a company that has like a monopoly on all of the um patient dialysis centers in this country so you know they don't really they're going to lose money basically if we impose these like qualifications for dialysis centers so obviously they want people to vote no on it so it's just that's one I actually was going to have to like read up some more on before I made my decision on it today um it just seems like there's just a lot 
there's a lot to co. So this, because I'm not too familiar with, um, with what y'all talked about, but it just seems like there's just a lot of things. There's like a lot of layers to voting, right? Like if you vote one way, it undoes one thing, or it might undo one thing and might lead to another, right? So it just seems like, um, seems like the voter is just kind of swayed on like emotional stuff because the because to understand their actual like the impact of a vote it just seems like there's just a lot more history required to make an informed decision and then we're just asking folks to make an informed decision kind of like hastily you know what i mean so it, it just seems like from somebody who from an outsider standpoint like i understand like voting is important but folks like me just think like oh shit i i just have this like scantron voting thing that i had to vote on i didn't actually re realize or recognize that from what y'all just said that there's hella more shit to actually vote on and that the choices although very important just seems like all of them are very critical and you got to be like having that 12 12 inch binder full of fucking research that you got to do and i can't believe people still have 12 inch binders and it's it's more confusing because i can't just like ask for advice like from francis because each ballot from different district is different so there's uh our ballot well you you can ask me it for my opinion but because we're in the same district but um yeah like the board of education from our district is different from district one because we're district 11 so we we would have to do our research together or any, or something you know so it, it's that much more complicated with that in mind if it is that complicated but it is that critical how come it we we don't have or how come i don't have enough access to like dialogue about these types of shit i mean i don't i don't yeah you're right because you don't know you're voting for it till you see the ballot or you don't know that it's an issue or that it's a thing that this guy or this proposition or this whatever is going to be on the ballot. I don't know. Is, is that something you can access before they even come out? Do you guys know? If you are, yeah, it depends on like your relationship with um, the people who are working to put that on the ballot. Right. So like a lot of ballot initiatives are put there, um, by the public's signatures. So like those people you see outside of the grocery store who are yeah. like, hey, do you have time, time to sign a petition? So they're actually collecting enough signatures so that that can actually be on the ballot. So depending um, on who you know, like you might get a heads up, you know, before you receive the ballot on like what you should expect to see. Um, but yeah, to my knowledge, I don't think there's like any hub that you can go to that's like, here's what's coming up, you know? That's tough. What? So you practically find out on the day of if you're not in the know of anything. What? Yeah. Because these these propositions are, are getting on the ballot because... Well, the propositions are... special are, interest groups. Yep. You can probably find out more about the propositions more than you can find about your district ballots. Because well, district in already... general is convoluted as hell. Yeah. I'm just trying to wrap my hand around... This idea that although voting is very critical and that we should all do it, how the fuck do you prepare people to do this very critical thing and properly give them the resources to be well-informed voter and still under 
Okay, I'm just trying to not laugh my ass off because we're trying to do this very critical thing, but then it just seems like we're not, we're not, there is no support to do this actual critical thing that we have to do in terms yep. of information cool. and support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, let's take a, take example for like, like the housing crisis, right? That's something that everybody cares about or, you know, everybody feels in one way or another. Some folks are basically under the thumb of paying high rents or can't afford a house in the Bay Area, or some folks are uh, maximizing profits by doing some shady stuff to get the highest rents possible, right? So this thing is something that I think everyone has an opinion about. Um, so when we see something on the ballot or we see something that that passes, we have to take how we feel about the overall issue and then and then look at the bill itself and see how it affects you personally. Like, I don't know if many people know uh, whether or not it's going to help their scenario or help their case. And most people, it's very difficult to understand because, you know, there are, there are certain levels to the whole bill entirely. Like this particular one is, it's an expansion on Costa-Hawkins, the Costa-Hawkins Act. But Costa-Hawkins is, is limiting the power of the state to apply rent control on different types of buildings. So it's almost like, like you're voting for the opposite of what you want. Like that's how these things are written. Mm-hmm. So it tricks you. Yeah, like Prop 8 was the same way, right? Remember? When, yeah, when we were like in college. Oh, Which one was Prop 8? Yeah. Oh, Prop 8 was the yeah, bill about like same-sex marriage and equality. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. the way that they phrased it, because the people who got Prop 8 on the ballot were actually like super like Christian, like anti, anti-LGBTQ. Um, and so they advertised it in a way that made people think like, oh, if I vote yes on Prop 8, I'm voting like, yes, I support the gay community and I want them to have equal rights. But actually a yes vote meant that it was going to repeal the decision that allowed same-sex marriage to take place in this state. So Bitches be tricky. <laughs> okay, so then my question would be, like, how much really, how much education do you need to actually become a voter, though? A lot. <laughs> and it's not necessarily education. I think that um, it's just time um, and I think access to information. Like, I was going to ask if you guys think that this voting, our current voting system, like, is it actually effective, right? Because, like we've all been getting at, there's a lot of information to comb through. There is very little time that's given to the public to comb through this, this information. And so a lot of the time, candidates and people who are putting these laws on the ballot are really just banking on like name recognition, right? Like that's why we have like bumper stickers and yard signs and all these commercials. Um, but if you think about the core of democracy and the definition of democracy, a true democracy takes place when the public is involved in the decision making, when the public is informed about you know, what is on the ballot, what's going on. And right now what we have is, in my opinion, not necessarily a true democracy. Right now we are more in like an oligarchy, right? And so you have a select few that we all vote on every few years to trust to make decisions on our behalf. But the public itself is not very involved in even the local city politics at all, let alone, you know, state or national politics. Like what Angie says is very true, right? But also, there's this saying where it's like, in theory, theory and practice are the same. In practice, they are not, right? And that's the whole thing about democracy, 
right? In theory, we're all supposed to be involved and our vote is supposed to matter. But in practice, there are so many details where it, sometimes it really doesn't matter, right? You know, we were talking about at the very beginning uh, about how California always votes blue, right? And that's because of the Electoral College, right? When you have a majority of California that votes blue, the, those who vote conservatively aren't heard in California at all because mm -hmm. the Electoral College is going to vote blue for you because the majority of California voted blue. So who's being listened to and who's not being listened to really depends on how we calculate how many Electoral College votes does a, does a state have. <sighs> okay. Because I'm, I'm still trying to like... Okay, I'm, I'm okay. So... <laughs> our voting is shit. Okay, this is just my theory. Right? My, vote, my theory. I'm listening to everybody. Voting is shit because our system currently doesn't provide any engagement for the active voter. Is that like kind of true? Current, man. I, I mean, I've been reading this random ass book, The History of Republicans. And this is all the way back to like when Lincoln became the president and emancipated slaves. And the difference between Republicans and Democrats back then was just the difference between whether you wanted to be a slave owner and the difference between whether you didn't want slave ownership in the United States at all. That was the difference between a Democrat and a Republican. So all every single step of the way between emancipating the slave and the slaves and actually having equality, every single step of the way, it was there was direct involvement with the very, very rich and the very, very wealthy. So when they try to involve you, it's the same thing that's happening right now is that they only want you to be involved, uh, involved emotionally, not intellectually. I like how you brought that, um, like the difference between Republican Democrats, because essentially that's the same, same shit, right? Like folks like to say Democrat, Republican, same bird of like this, like same bird of white supremacy, right? So like my thing is, if historically we the system was created out of white supremacy and we're still partaking in this voting system apparatus thingy, then how can we possibly like achieve like equity or equality if we're still trying to operate out of the same archaic system that was created to benefit off one set of folks. I honestly think, and it's because it's rare that, but the fact that it exists, right, is why we do it, right? Like voting for Abraham Lincoln when we did, when the United States did, was very important, right? And it was a turn for, for the United States as a whole, right? And then, you know, I think I was talking to Angie about this yesterday and we have problems with Obama, um, mm -hmm. but at the same time, we love the guy too. <laughs> right. So it's like when we vote, we're we can't always get the one. Right. If we're just talking about presidents, right, we we can't always get the one. But when we vote, we're always hoping that the one is going to show up. And when they do, we want that guy in, in in power, basically. So, I mean, like what what would be the difference if you had like Trump and you had a truly authoritarian regime and. He had uh, 
endless amount of time in, in the presidency, right? That's why we vote, because we need to get them out. Right. And, and um, vice versa, the, the weaknesses is if you get someone that's really great and he only has a limited amount of time, you know, maximum eight years. Yeah, and but also we also got to consider, like, we're, we're choose because when we think about like the president, right? We're choosing our team captain, right? That's the dude who's going to represent America. That's to the rest of the world. And, you know, unfortunately, right now, our <laughs> the chosen leader is a piece of a clown, right? It's kind of a, a circus right now. But even if we do choose the person that we want, like the team around them still has to just support the leader, right? And the last 10 years or so, it just seems like there hasn't been that support, right? Because the thing that I, I like to bring back what Angie said, like having a two-party system isn't working for all of us. Because that's what has been kind of like my observation the last decade or so. Like, although like folks are super Democrat and they want to be like um, more towards like that diversity, equity messaging, right? But essentially some of their belief systems are not even... Um, inclusive of, of the whole folks. I think the biggest thing too is like in this country until the pandemic hit, like we had this culture that was very like, you know, like it just, it glamorized like working yourself to death, right? Like we have the 40 hour work week, like no other developed nation works as much as we do in terms of time, right? Um, and for a lot of us in the Bay Area, we're mostly working two jobs because it's so expensive to live here. And so when we when you have the public is just completely caught up in the daily grind, trying to survive, trying to put a roof over their head, trying to feed their kids, they're too tired and they don't have the time or the energy or the desire to really read into all these like super boring, you know, legalese ballot propositions and, and candidates and things like that. And I think that that was very deliberate. Yeah, I think the numbers spoke for themselves during the Black Lives Matter rallies, right? Like two years ago, we didn't see the same numbers. I think, I, I don't remember the number. I might be over-exaggerating, but I think it was like 70%. Does that sound right? Oh, I'm not sure either. But I know for sure there was a much larger turnout with like the protests within the past, you know, six months than there has been in history probably, yeah. Right, mm. which I think is proof in what you're conveying. It's everybody cares about these things. Yeah, like I, I forget which country it was, but I know that there's one country um, that actually like penalizes you if you don't vote. <laughs> so they make sure that like everybody votes, which sounds super annoying. Like I'm sure if that happened here, a lot of us would be like, oh, what the fuck, right? Like, and I, <laughs> a lot of us, not us on this chat, but I think a lot of Americans would probably just be like, oh, I'll just pay the fine. But, you know, it's like, how do you force the citizens or the public to care enough about this <laughs> i mean funny because they force us to go to jury duty <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know why can't they force us to vote i mean they in some countries it's a holiday to vote yeah yep. right late holiday yep so <laughs> um, <laughs> easy peasy mm. <laughs> like most countries it's a paid holiday to go and vote that day um, most countries do not close the majority of their polling places so that you only have mm -hmm. one polling place for thousands of res residents and people have to wait six to eight hours just to cast their mm -hmm. ballot. Um, 
No, I think I also saw um in Texas, I think the judge just struck down the governor's suggestion, but they were going to be only in one polling place per county, and there's only two counties somewhere, Not and bad. they're on the other opposite ends of each other in Texas. Yep. Right? Like w- two ballot places for all of Texas, and you know what people say, right? Texas, everything is fucking huge in Texas. Yep. So how the hell are you gonna put a ballot <laughs> in one big ass place in Texas and put the closest one on the other side of big ass Texas? Yep. Wait, why right. isn't everyone doing a mail in ballot? Oh, because it's, it's dangerous. I heard from. I was just gonna say. Uh, well, we also have a president <laughs> who claims that mail in ballots are somehow fraudulent well, <laughs> even though he votes right. by mail even though he votes by mail yes <laughs> yes right so inherently we have to go vote because they don't really want us to do that for some strange reason <laughs> you exactly. know like if yeah exactly if the powers that be are trying this hard to keep people from voting that's a pretty good sign that you should go out and vote and make sure that those powers that be are no longer in office Seriously. And I also read somewhere that like all the boomers, okay, this is our time, people who are non-boomers. There's more younger people 30 and below than the boomers, meaning numbers wise, we're good. So you just need to go vote because we're tired of old people trying to take care of the world. Pero like, you know, they're not going to take care of the world because they're not going to be able to enjoy it. Especially when they're dead. Mm-hmm. that's true and, and on power note, right and like so i don't want to get like too deep into this but like just to sum up, so when <laughs> so when biden like was like announced as the democratic candidate and then he chose kamala like a lot of people our age like within our circles were like what the fuck right like this is the dumbest decision i've ever seen like why would you choose first of all why would you choose biden as your presidential pick. And then also, why would he then choose a self-proclaimed top cop during a time mm. when his potential voter base, the Democrats and leftist people, were very, obviously, you know, were being very outspoken about police brutality. Um, and you kind of hit that on the head, Gooby, is that these folks, these politicians are so used to the old school way of doing politics, right? Like, they know that historically, like, their voter base, even though you know, even though they're Democrat, like it's only boomers who vote, right? Mm-hmm. Like the younger demographic does not vote. I think it's only like twenty five percent of mm-hmm. us or something. Some like shockingly shockingly yep. low number. And so, yeah, if you could get all like the Gen Z and millennials and like sort of that weird like in between group between like millennials and boomers to vote, we do have the numbers. But the problem is you have people who just don't want to vote, um, and you have people who, especially by this nomination felt really like let down and disappointed by it. And it kind of, you know, it, it fed the idea that like the system, you know, like we all mentioned, like Democrat or Republican, it's all just the same, you know, different sides in the same coin. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that you can be critical of the system and you can be critical of the candidates that we have and you can still vote because (laughs) at this point it is your civic duty because if trump wins another four years this country is going to absolute shit so we're gonna die exactly like you can vote in this election and you can vote for biden and and kamala and still be a leftist and make sure to keep the pressure on them for the next four to eight years that they need to deliver on their promises right and that some shit really needs to change that's been another episode of the Hello Shadow podcast on voting. Thanks for listening to our bullshit. Go vote. <laughs> <laughs>
How about okay. that? Go fucking vote. Go oh, fucking vote. <laughs> Angie, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Desperate pleas of voting, please. Fucking vote. Uh, right.